Hi, GT family. It's week number three in our series that's entitled Made for This. And uh, we're together again today to jump back into the third uh, message, but also the third concept that we want to bring to you. The first week we talked about having a different approach to suffering, how you can say, I'm going to have hope even in suffering versus I hope there is no suffering and how important that change is for us. And then last week we talked about the metamorphosis that takes place in our lives. And uh, with that comes great hope and assurance in the presence of God, in the identity of God. And so we talked about taking off who we were and putting on who we are. And now this week, I want to introduce to you another powerful concept. In fact, this one is really life-changing. It's the powerful concept of Christian freedom. I want to talk today about freedom. In fact, that's the first verse we're going to use in just a moment is about Peter saying how free we really are. But I want you to understand something. I'm actually going to ask you a question, and I want you to really think about this question. What will dominate as you isolate. You see, isolation is an opportunity for you. It's an opportunity, but you determine who gets the benefit. You see, God is working, and so is your enemy. And God would love to give you every benefit and every blessing and help you manage the opportunity that's before you with all of this extra time that you have to think and to work and to, to bless and to be a part of other people's lives and to really think about your own life and so on. God really wants to help you manage and benefit from that. But you know what the enemy wants? The enemy would love to give you new addictions, new uh, negative thoughts and attitudes and actions. He'd love to give you new fears, right? He'd love to see you stuck in something new, some new form of anger or, or distraction, or, you know, maybe it's just overeating. That's been my deal, you know? And so the enemy would love to actually give us a bunch of negative things that we come out of this crisis with, out of this isolation with. But the question really is, who will dominate as you isolate? Is it going to be God, God's plan, God's will, his desire to help you manage and benefit, or is it going to be the enemy? So I want to talk about that today, and I'm going to give you a couple of examples of where we can kind of go sideways on this, and, and um, I'm hoping that today I'll really be able to help you set a, a continued solid direction during this time of isolation. It's just a different season, and so we need to think a little bit differently about how we're going to manage us and our relationship with God. And so let's jump into it. The verse I want to take you to is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, the very beginning of the verse, and this is where we're going to start. Peter says it this way, for you are free. He starts with this incredible statement of freedom, and he says this to all of his leaders, uh, all of his readers, I should say, all of his readers. He says it to all of those who are listening, and so he's talking to slaves and those who were marginalized, those who were oppressed, those who were overlooked, those who were forgotten, and he says to them, you are free. Can you imagine what that would do to them? You see, that's the concept of Christian liberty that has nothing to do with your circumstance in life and everything to do with what's gone on inside of you. Paul continues this idea. He continues to share it and in his gospel writings. Um, in Galatians 5, he says, you know what? Christ has truly set us free. He says it again in Romans. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So these three verses actually all are saying the same thing, that because of Jesus, you are free. Because of Jesus, your life has changed. Because of Jesus, there's transformation. And so Peter now, let's go back to his verse. He continues after he says, for you are free. He goes on to say, yet 
You are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. You see, what he's saying here is you're going to be a slave to someone. You're either going to be a slave to your passions, like I was talking before, the enemy would love to give you new problems and new challenges and new negative thoughts. You're going to be a slave to those things, or you're going to be God's slave. You're going to be able to see God's plan, God's way, God's will, and you're going to be able to step into it. You see, the truth is, is Peter understood that all of the great truths of Christianity can be twisted, and they can be used as an excuse, and that's what he's talking about here. And I want to give you just a couple of examples about that. Think about this. We talk about God's grace and how beautiful and powerful it is. But for some people, it can be twisted into a license to sin as much as you want. We can talk about God's love. And some people can make God's love a sentimental thing. You know, oh, he loves me so much. So obedience becomes an option. That's twisting the truth of God's love. And then also we can think about eternal life and the reality of heaven and so on and so forth. And, and we can actually use that as an excuse to not care for the planet, to not care for our own bodies, and to not care about this life and all of the important things of this life. You see, it's so easy for these deep, incredible Christian truths to get twisted. And that's exactly what, what Peter is warning against here, because none of these, um, these Christian truths can be twisted more, more easily and more readily than Christian freedom, the freedom of a Christian. And so it really comes to a balance because Christian freedom is twofold. On one side, the Christian's freedom is based in the idea that I have been saved. I have a savior. His name is Jesus, and that's nothing but a benefit to me. He's done for me what I cannot do, and I just simply receive that. That's the freedom of Christ as your savior. But the Bible also teaches us our Christian freedom is larger than that. Our Christian freedom includes Christ as, as savior and Christ as Lord. So what does that mean? Well, that's where the responsibility comes in. I now become God's slave. I now become, Christ becomes my Lord and I become one who submits to him. You see, the Christian's freedom is based in understanding Christ as savior and Christ as Lord. And so Peter reminds them, Listen, don't use your Christian freedom as an excuse to do evil. Why? I'm going to tell you why. Because freedom is not the right to do whatever you want. Freedom is the power to do what you know you should. Did you catch that? Let's say it again. It's going to come up on the screen. Freedom is not the right to do whatever you want. Freedom is the power to do what you know you should do. Isn't that a good truth for you today? That's the balance of Christian freedom. Peter is saying, instead of doing evil, do good. Instead of getting trapped into twisting and excusing your behaviors because you can say, I'm free. No, no, use this as an opportunity. What does Christian freedom actually allow you to do? Well, it gives you the power to do what you know you should do, but sometimes really struggle to do. So let's take a closer look at um, another verse. It's the following verse. After verse 16, uh, Peter kind of sets up this concept and he says, listen, there's some things that are really hard for you right now. And I'm going to give you four of them. And I'm going to encourage you to do them. I'm going to link them to this verse of don't make an excuse. Don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. In fact, here's what he says after that. He says, respect everyone. That's not always easy to do. And love the family of believers. That gets complicated at times. Fear God. What does that actually mean? And respect the king. Now, these were difficult commands for them to hear. This was not an easy word for them. 
They were so thankful to be free because of Christ, because their lives were difficult. But more than that, he's saying, listen, there are areas of your life that need attention and you need to work on them. And if you can work in these four areas, you're not going to be using your freedom as an excuse. You're going to be using it as the power to do what you know you should. So I want to talk about these four for just a minute and, and hopefully make an application to your life. I want to start with one of the largest audiences that, um, that Peter would have had. You know, he says, respect, uh, use the power that you have to respect everyone. You have power to respect everyone. And, and he says this to a very large group. In fact, the next verse, verse 18, begins to pick up who he's starting to talk to specifically, those who are going to have the greatest difficulty with this command. And so he says, slaves, I want to talk to you for just a minute. You see, the truth is, in the Roman world, there were over 60 million slaves at this time. It would have been his largest audience. It would have been the people who would have received this truth of Christ setting you free more readily than anybody else because they lived in bondage. They had no rights and Christ elevated them. And so he speaks to slaves first. He speaks to them because they're marginalized, because they don't have the same rights. He says, you are free, but don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Hey, respect everyone. In other words, you who are slaves, verse 18 says, must submit to your masters with all respect. Now, what is he saying here? Is he saying slavery is good? No, no, no. Don't misunderstand the Bible. The Bible never condones slavery. But the Bible recognizes that at the time of its writing, it was not possible for them to change the governmental systems and to bring redemption on that level yet. As we can see now, as we look back on history, there was a time where people said, we can't do this anymore. And things began to change. At this time, it would have been wrong for Peter to say, you're no longer a slave, you're free, so go and do whatever you want. Because he would have been then encouraging rebellion and that would have really damaged the message and the mission of Christ. And so he says, no, no, don't rebel. Let's do something different. Don't ruin this movement that we're a part of. Let's, let's work here. Let's let God do something great. And so what does he say? Submit to your masters. And, you know, there was another side to this, too, because slaves were getting saved. And then also sometimes their masters would get, get saved. And the slaves would be leading churches where the masters were now attending. And so that's a funny thing. And so that's why he says, listen, you submit to your masters. Don't all of a sudden become a, um, a, 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 try to overcome your master's leadership in your life. Don't try to do that because that's going to really be a negative uh, taste in their mouth. It's going to drive them from God. And then he speaks to another group. He speaks to those who are believers and our wives to unbelieving husbands. That's who he speaks to next, because that's another tough place to be. The reason why is because the, in, under Roman rule, men had all the authority. If a man became a Christian, the whole household would become a Christian. If the man wasn't a Christian, then the family would actually be seen as in rebellion to him if they chose Christ. And so, Peter addresses this issue to women who have unbelieving husbands. He says this, in the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. In other words, we can't change the Roman rule and we're not going to win by rebelling and saying, hey, I'm free, leave me alone. He goes on to say, then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They'll be won over. In other words, it's not going to be your preaching that's going to win the day. It's not going to be your rebellion that's going to win the day. It's not going to be you standing up to your husband. It's going to be, you know what? 
I'm gonna live a life before you. I'm gonna love you well. I'm gonna serve as I can. I'm gonna, I'm going to, I'm going to show you that me being a Christian makes me a better wife to you. And so his hope was that they would at least be able to continue to worship, but at, at best, they would actually win their husbands over. And then Peter continues this idea of respecting everybody in, in the next passage where he, he begins to talk about husbands who are believers, and he gives them a strict shift from the Roman rule idea to being God's slave. And here's what he says. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, which, which really is just talking about their um, physical stature and their place in society but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. You see, the, the gospel levels the playing field. Christ leveled the playing field. And so treat her as you should. And here's the challenge to those men, those husbands, so your prayers will not be hindered. So we recognize that if we don't treat those in our family, if we don't treat our spouse, especially believing husbands, if we don't treat our spouses right, our prayers are hindered. That's an encouragement for us even today. And so what do we see out of this idea of the power to respect everyone? Well, listen, you're not, you're not a slave, but you might be in a workplace that's difficult to practice respect. God wants to help you do that. You can have the power to show respect in that workplace. Maybe you are a believer in your family and the rest of your family are not. Not believers, or maybe you're, you're a believer and your spouse is not. Listen, you can, through your godly life, through your love, through your care, you can actually be a witness for Christ. Uh, what if you are a believing husband? Come on, husbands, let's lead, let's serve, let's love so that our prayers are not hindered. So you're treating every person with respect. Understand that you're a Christian. You're not perfect. You're not superior. You're simply forgiven. And so act like that. Act like one who's been forgiven, who is not perfect. And you'll find yourself in a really, really good place. It's not about seeing people as being there to serve you, but you're there to serve them. Another thing that Peter says in that passage we read just a moment ago um, about those four principles that will help us move away from uh, allowing our, our freedom to become distorted and an excuse for evil she says, you're going to have the power to respect the king. Now, this was a really hard command to hear because the king was Nero. And Nero was the one who was blaming all the Christians for burning down Rome. He was persecuting them. The time of the lions was coming and so on and so forth. It was a bad time for the Christians. But Peter says to them, listen, you've got to, you've got to find a way to respect them. And so it was an authoritarian rule in that New Testament life. And so the only thing they could do is submit. And so uh, Peter says it this way, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. Listen, it's going to go well with you if you can figure out a way to respect the king. I know he's being terrible to you. I know you have no voice and no power. But you know what? When I think about us in Canada, I think about the fact that we're in a democracy and instead of us having no voice, we have a voice. 
We're a part of making the laws and the rules in our nation. We not only follow them, but we help reinforce them. You know, we're in a democracy, so it's, it's, it's by the people and for the people, right? Our voice matters. And so, you know what your responsibility is to do? As, as someone who's going to respect the government that you have, you're going to get involved. You're going to vote. You're going to share your story. You're going to love your community. And you're going to use your voice. And there will be times... There will be times where as a Christian, you have to do what Jesus said. You got to give to God what's God's and give to the king what's the king's. There'll be a time in your life where you're going to have to stand up and say, I will use my democratic voice in a gentle and respectful way. And I will use that to share what God's will is. I'll use that to stand up for God's plan and God's and what's right before God. And so this is an important piece for you. Next I want to talk for a moment about what Peter said um, about having the power to love the family of believers. Can I just say, I love you. I love you, GT family. You're watching today and you're a part of the family. And when I say I love you, I mean it. I mean it with all my heart. God's put a love in my heart for you. And today we're the family. And you know what? When you move from respect to love, it's a natural progression. And so we're learning to respect each other. And so we're learning to love each other. And I want you to know you're part of a loving family. And I want to warn you today, Don't get too comfortable with this online experience. I know it's great and it'll be convenient and many of us will continue to use it so that we can stay more deeply connected as life is so busy. But listen, when the doors open, get back to church. Come back and be a part of things with us. When these doors open wide, why don't you come and you be a part of the family? But in the meantime, let's practice love and let's do it through email and Zoom calls and cards that we put in the mail and phone calls. Let's love one another. Let's be an example of love. Let's cultivate that love. And the last thing I want to talk about that Peter mentioned in that verse of those four things that are going to help us so much to keep our freedoms from being distorted and becoming an excuse for evil is he says, I, I believe that God's giving you the power to fear him, to fear God. You have the power to fear God. Now, this is important because I'm not talking about terror, but reverence and awe, which is so very important. Reverence and awe for God. And, you know, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And that word beginning is so important because in the Hebrew, it means very foundation. So the very foundation of knowledge in your life is fearing God. That's awe and respect. And the truth is you can't respect people without first coming under respecting God. Without reverence for God, you'll have no reverence for people. And so so this is so important. It's the beginning of knowledge. In other words, if you give God his rightful place, then everything else will find its place because God will give you the knowledge of how to do that. So put God first. Fear God. It's a beautiful call. I want to take you back to the question I asked you at the beginning. What will dominate as you isolate? Who will dominate as you isolate? And my hope for you is that what is going to dominate in your life is Christian freedom in the full sense of the word. So now you understand it's not just about doing what I want. It's about having the power to do what I know that I should. So I'm going to close up with this verse. It's from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. And here's what it says. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. So as we wrap up our time together, I just want to take a moment and pray with you. 
You know, I know that there's many of us who are feeling our hearts moved by the idea of our full picture of Christian freedom. And for some of you, you're really wrestling with what will dominate in this time where we're isolating. And I just wanna say to you, you know what? Christ has a great plan, even in the middle of this, and he's working in your life, so let him work. Some of you are saying, I, I really, I really want Christian freedom. And for some of you, that means, you know what? I just, I just need to feel the power that God has for me as a Christian, to feel that power, to do what I know I should, rather than just to do what I want during this time. For others of you, you'd say, you know what? I don't know if I've ever invited Christ into my life. I don't have the assurity to know that heaven is my home and that I've said, Jesus, be my Savior and my Lord. And if that's where you are today, listen, I want you to accept Jesus. I want you to invite him in. The Bible tells us this, that he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. And if, and if you'll open up the door, the door of your life to Jesus, he's going to come in and he's going to be there with you. And he, you know what? The Bible says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so you have this great assurance that you can invite Christ into your life. Listen, that's a tremendous benefit to you when he's your savior because he fits you for heaven. He washes away your past. He does for you what you could never do. He paid a price for your sin and your shame and your guilt, and he wants to wipe it all away. And so you invite Christ in as Savior. But I also want you to invite Christ in as Lord. In other words, you know what? I'm choosing not to be a slave to my passions, to my desires, to all the new addictions and the new problems and, you know, the pursuit of money and all the things that sometimes trap us. I want to be God's slave. I want to allow Christ to be Lord in my life. I want him to lead, him to guide, him to direct, so my life can have great purpose. And that's exactly what will happen. And so can I just encourage you right now, just pray with me. You know, the Bible says that as we pray together, we can have what we ask for. So pray with me. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my past and give me a bright new future. I'm sorry for my sin. I ask you now to come and be both Savior, rescuing me from what I could never rescue myself from, and be Lord, where I give you control. You take the wheel, you drive, you lead, and I will follow. You know what, if you've made a, a decision like that and you've prayed a prayer like that, or maybe that's just the longing in your heart and you just didn't, didn't follow along with me in that prayer, I wanna encourage you, we're here to help you. In fact, there's a number that's gonna come up on the screen just below me here. And if you'll just screen capture that if you're watching on your phone or just write that number down or put it in your phone right now, you can text the word life, just simply the word life to that number. And we're gonna reach back to you and we promise we're gonna let you set the pace. We're not going to overwhelm you or inundate you with information. We just wanna connect. We wanna help you, that's why we're here. And in this time where it's so strange, we can't be together. This is our way to connect with you. We really wanna do that. And so, you know what? Just text the word life to that number and let's begin the journey together. For others of you, you're followers of Christ, but you have challenging places in your life where it's tough to always live out this command. It's sometimes it's hard to respect the people at work or to respect your neighbor or to respect someone in your family or maybe you're having trouble in your marriage or, or with a child or with a parent. And you know what? Those can be really difficult times. Some of you are in tough situations and God wants to help you. He wants to put your life on display and he wants to give you the heart and the passion that Peter was downloading to, to these that were, that were under great and severe uh, suffering. And he wants to give you the capacity to win 
in this day. And so let me pray for you. Father, I do pray for that one that's in a tough spot, that one that's saying, Lord, I haven't always been living the full spectrum of my Christian freedom. So Lord, we just ask that you'd you know, wipe that away from the past and give us a brand new day. Allow us to step in with great boldness into the opportunity that's in front of us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would literally put us on display. Help us, encourage our hearts, lift us up so that we can see the full picture of what it means to live out our Christian freedom, even in those difficult places. And so, God, we'll give you all the praise and all the glory as you work in our lives. And Lord Jesus, we love you so much. We pray all this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Listen, I just want to say to you, I love you. I'm so thankful for you. So glad we get to do this together. And you know what? Look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.